Hello, Truth Ranger Richard. Welcome aboard once again. This is episode two of a little series we're calling Maintaining Your Balance. If you haven't heard episode one, I would suggest you listen to it first because they all kind of tie together, okay? I'll be right back. Truth Ranger Richard. Are you part of the last day's church? Can you embrace grace? True grace? Stick around and we'll see. Okay, back with you once again. It's the Truth Ranger Richard for episode number two of Maintaining Our Balance. If you weren't tuned in for episode number one, you might want to listen to it because they kind of tie together. But I'm going to do a quick recap here. Scripturally, if you want to write these down, it'll give you something to kind of go by here. I focused on Titus 2, verses 11 through 12. Actually, it went a little further than that. Our point is the false teachings about grace the false feelings people have about grace. We touched on that people believe or have been falsely taught that grace presents us with a license to sin, but it is quite contrary to that. It actually enables us to overcome. Grace empowers us to overcome. Some more scripture you might look up here is 2 Timothy 1, 9. Romans 6.14 and Romans 6.15. We'll just do this real quick here. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. So grace has set us free from bondage. It hasn't put us in bondage to sin, but according to Scripture, it has set us free Verse 15, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Okay, I'm going to backtrack here just a little bit. Back into episode number one, just for a, a short while here. Titus chapter 2, starting with verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Okay, so what we're looking at here is not the negative connotation that some religious teachers and believers got this squeaky chair going here again today. I guess I'm going to have to invest in some WD-40 or something. Anyway, some false teachers, some people who are just scripturally ignorant, have so put a bad, such a bad spin on grace that it makes it something almost evil. It says, grace gives us a license to sin. If you were on episode one, you probably heard me say, we don't need a license to sin. We are well capable of sinning without a license, are we not? When did we ever seek grace or any kind of permission to sin? 
we just do it. We don't, uh, we don't ask permission, do we? Grace is not a scapegoat for sin. Quite the opposite. If you have a chance, go back into Titus 2 and study the scripture I've given you here. Grace is the power to live godly. It's the power to overcome. It's just the opposite of what some of the religious teachings have tried to teach us. It's time to undo some of these wrong teachings that we've had for so long that have done more harm than good. We have to embrace grace. We have to embrace the proper grace, not the religious teaching, but the grace that God actually gives us. Grace is not the license to sin. Grace is the enabling force given us from God to overcome our sin. Okay, let's think about the story of the Apostle Paul. And most of us are familiar with this. I could look it up, but I want to get through some things here quickly. The Apostle Paul, do you remember? He had what he called a thorn in his flesh, thorn in his side. He called it a messenger from Satan that buffeted him in the flesh, something that bothered him, that tormented him to the point that he prayed and asked God three times that God would take this thorn in the flesh away from him. Whatever it was, we really don't know. There's a lot of speculation, but we really don't know. So, Paul said that he prayed three times, and finally, finally, God told him that he was not going to take it away because his grace was sufficient for him. Scripturally, it says, my strength, speaking of God's strength, my strength is made perfect in your weakness, and my grace is sufficient for you. So you see there that grace overcame the weakness, whatever it is. God's grace overpowered the weakness, whatever it is. Does it mean that Paul no longer suffered in the flesh, whatever it was? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that God's grace was greater, stronger, and more powerful than whatever it was that Paul was experiencing. Now, there's a lot of speculation. And if you've been in religious circles very long, you've heard so many preachers preach so many different messages about what Paul's thorn in the flesh was, and whatever it is, they will attach their own little thing to it, and they'll swear that that's what it was. We don't know. In all honesty, we really don't know. And there's a reason we don't know. There are things in Scripture that are made crystal clear. We have no question about them. But there are things in the Scripture that leave a little open question like this. And there's a reason why the open question is there. It's because it gives us the opportunity to see our identification with it. Do we have an identification with Paul's thorn in the flesh? Well, I think we do. I think we all have that area of 
whatever we want to call it, weakness? Do we have an area of compromise? Do we have an area where we have thought, like for years, years before, we thought that we had victory in this specific situation? Whatever it is, whether it's a habit, an addiction, a thought pattern, <clears throat> whatever it might be. But it comes back to kind of haunt us like a messenger from Satan, buffeting us in our flesh. Do we not all have that? Now, some may not admit it. There are a lot of people who will try to claim that they won a victory, but it's not true. There is no victory winnable by anybody on the human level. We are victors through Christ. We are victory claimers because of his victory, not because of our personal victory. It's not by willpower that we overcome, because if it is, we don't need God. Think about it. If we can overcome, then we're like a secular humanist who's saying, hey, I'm just a good guy. God doesn't even factor into it. Of course, the secular humanist, humanist isn't really overcoming either. He just thinks he is. He's convinced himself that he is. But we've got to see here that when we don't have a right perspective on grace, we don't have a right perspective on God at all. We don't have a right perspective on overcoming. We don't have a right perspective on victory. We think this is a war we are fighting. Now, going to take a little break here. And I want you to think about what we're saying. There is an antichrist element to false teaching about grace. There is. There's an antichrist element <clears throat> either direction. If we undermine grace... And we say, well, grace, but, if we limit grace, well, God's grace applies, but it's limited, it's under certain conditions, there's things we have to meet to make it work, then that's Antichrist. It really is. If we go to the other extreme and we say, well, yeah, we believe in grace, but the big but's always there. Anytime you get in these situations, there's always a big but involved. There really is. Some buts are bigger than others. Here's a big but. Grace, we will be told, if you haven't already been, grace gives us a license to sin. Nothing can be further than the truth. So each of these false teachings, the devil is in the extremes. Each of these false teachings is antichrist. Why? because it takes away from the accomplished, finished work of Christ. Finished work of Christ. Now, someone out there right now is thinking, yeah, but, and I'm going to come back and deal with the yeah, but that you're thinking right now. This is Richard Truth Ranger. Be right back. You are in a safe place. There are no altar calls here. You don't have to raise your hand up so everybody can turn around and stare at you. There is no altar for you to come to so the people in the church can whisper and gossip 
and say, I wonder what's wrong with him. I wonder what's wrong with her. This is a safe place, and it's by design. This little series of podcasts are for the End Times Church. You are here because you are part of the End Times Church. You may not want to be, (laughs) but you are. God is the perfect planner. He is the perfect designer. If there's one thing I have learned in 67 years on this planet, is that there are no coincidences. There are no accidents, not spiritually. Everything is done by design. We don't have God's perspective, so sometimes, in fact, probably most of the time, we scratch our heads because we don't understand that design, but yet it's by design. So I want to get a little personal here with you. This little podcast series is about grace. It's actually about maintaining our balance. The reason this is so important for this time is because, and I've shared this before, we are facing some real challenges. We're facing them presently, but what we have seen so far is nothing compared to what's coming our way. I know this. It's not something I believe. It's not even something I think. It's something I know beyond the shadow of a doubt. We are the last day's church, and we're going to face challenges that we've seen in other countries that we thought would never happen here. But it's already being set up, and it's already happening incrementally. Okay, that's the basis for this. But now, I want to get a little personal. I want to ask a question. We're not in church, so you don't have to answer out loud. You don't have to hold up your hand. You don't have to be embarrassed, okay? It's just between you and the Lord. Are you afraid of grace? A lot of people are. Why would anyone be afraid of grace? The answer to that is manifold, actually. But basically, we're afraid of grace because we've been taught wrong about grace. We've been taught that grace is licensed to sin, for one, for one thing. We've been taught things that just aren't true. So part of my calling here is to help healing take place. Now, I'm not talking about your broken leg. I'm talking about your broken heart. I'm talking about your fragmented mindset that religion and different teachers have told you so much stuff that it's just not right. Healing takes place when we realize that we are not the terrible people. We are the people that needed healing. We didn't do the damage. So take a deep breath and relax. I'm not the guy here to accuse anyone of anything. I'm really not. But I want to talk about, seriously, about our fear of grace. 
For example, if we believed that our Father had totally unconditional love for us, I mean totally, with a capital T, totally unconditional love for us, how would that make us feel? Well, I've got to be quite honest with you. <clears throat> when I st first started this journey, when God first started showing me, the Father started showing me that his love was unconditional, it was kind of scary. And the reason it was kind of scary is because I have so many conditions. Honestly, I am not the perfect person, to say the least. And I have so many imperfections that I couldn't bring myself to believe that God could love me unconditionally. But where the fear came in is because I needed God, or I thought at the time, is the religious spirit in, in me, and some of you have the same thing, the religious spirit in me made me want to believe that God was as I had been taught. He was somewhere with a clipboard, watching every move I make, monitoring every thought I think, monitoring every word I say, looking, looking for something to condemn me for. See, I feel safer that way, because that provides a little element of control, a fear factor, we'll say. This way, I can kind of have this undergirding fear that makes me try to control myself because I think, well, what if I'm going too far? What if I'm going beyond the, the reach of God's mercy? What if I'm going beyond what the blood of Jesus can or will cover? See, this is the religious spirit. This is the control that the religious spirit puts in our hearts, indoctrinates into us, and I was as guilty as anyone. And actually, that's kind of a misnomer because I wasn't guilty at all. But I was taught that I had ongoing guilt no matter what. See, this is an antichrist religious mindset. It tells us that Jesus died for our sins, but... It tells us that the grace of God is applied to our lives, but, remember I told you in the other segment about there's always a big but? Well, there is. Now, here's where we get personal. Are you still dealing with this type of fear? Are you afraid to simply let go and be yourself and be honest with God? Are you afraid that he will disown you? Are you afraid he's looking for something to condemn you about? Be honest. Be honest. You don't have to say it so I can hear it. This is between father and child. See, the problem is not with just the, the false religious stuff we've been taught. But the image of our Father that we've been given that just simply isn't true. My Father loves me 
unconditionally. His grace is mine without measure. There is no limit to his love. Now, as soon as I said those words, in some of your minds, in some of your hearts, there was this little twinge. It, seriously, think about it. Backtrack. Monitor your thoughts here. There was a little twinge because you think you need to be accountable to a master. A master who has the potential and the power and the will to punish you. But God, God called you his child, not his servant. God restored me as his son, not his servant. See, religion, religion will tell us, and this religious spirit will keep telling us that your father loves you, but there is no but. There is no but. My father loves me, and he loves you as my brothers and as my sisters unconditionally. Now, that's going to scare some of you. That's why I said this was a personal thing here. It's going to scare some of you because you know your limitations. See, the religious, what would the word be? We play this little religious game where we pretend to be what they tell us we're supposed to be. We play the game. We play the role. You ever heard the expression, we're all actors on a stage? In the religious scenario, we really are. We're acting the role we're told we need to act. We need to look a certain way. We need to act a certain way. We need to dress a certain way. To the point that we know we're phonies. We're not real. God knows your heart with all of the, oh, what's the word? All of the misgivings, all of the little corrupted thoughts. <laughs> he knows all of our doubts. He knows all of our fears. He knows the thoughts we think that we think we shouldn't think. <laughs> think about it. He knows every single thought we think, good, bad, or otherwise, and he loves us anyway. Can you even fathom the unconditional love of the Father? No, you can't. You really can't because we've been indoctrinated into a limited image of God by religious spirits. It's nothing bad about us. It's just where we are. And God is wanting to show us, our Father is wanting to show us himself as he really is, not as he has been portrayed. He does not have a clipboard. He's not looking for a reason to strike you dead. God is not looking for a reason to condemn us. God has provided us with grace. When I talked in the episode before about the verses from Titus, the grace is there to enable us 
The grace, it says it right there. Read it yourself. Grace is our teacher. Well, why would you, why would the Father have a teacher for us if he wanted us to fail? He's teaching us. This is a process. See, the trouble with religious teaching is, and I don't want to get off a tangent here because if you know me, you know that once you get me started on religion, it gets a little crazy. But the truth is, one of the big fallacies of religious teaching is they portray things as events instead of processes. Okay, here's a good example. Well, when you repent of your sins and you come to this altar, then you will be saved. Repentance is a process. If that's not true, then you would have walked away from that altar perfect. And some religion kind of teaches that. They kind of teach it. Well, you got up and you were perfect. No, you weren't. That was the beginning, not the end. Repentance is a process. As we grow, as grace is our teacher, it shows us more things in our personalities, in our mind, mind thoughts, our processes, even our attitudes. It reveals things to us, and repentance follows. It's not a nasty, dirty thing. You know, when, when uh, some of these preachers yell, repent, it's like it's something terrible. It's not. It's something beautiful. It's a coming home. It's a reconciliation with the Father that loves you. It's the prodigal son. Just what a wonderful story. The prodigal come, uh, son came home so full of fear that his father would reject him. And he was willing to accept that. He came back begging just for scraps to eat so he could live with the servants, saying he's not worthy to be a son. But the prodigal's father showed the heart of God and restored his son, not as a servant, but as a son. So here's what I'm trying to say. This is going to take a while, but God is preparing his end times church. He really is. His grace is unlimited. His love is unlimited. There is no limitations to when Jesus died on the cross and he said it was finished, it was finished. His part was finished. He completed what he was there to do. But there's an ongoing process. When the Bible, there's a verse in the Bible, I should have written it down here so I could remember, but the Bible actually says, be ye perfect. Now, who's listening to me who could uh, say right now that they are perfect? You know, jump right up and shout it, I'm perfect. We're not perfect, but we're being perfected. And grace is that vehicle that is perfecting us. It's not excusing us. See, we feel conviction, and it pricks our heart because it's God saying, this is what I see, and this is what you need to work on. He's not condemning us. He's drawing us closer to him. The religious mindset has painted a picture of my father that he's a tyrant and a dictator, and he wants to punish people. Think about this. 
What does John 3.16 say? God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish. Why would a father who wants to punish us send his only begotten, beloved Son to perish to save us? Think about it. So we're going to work on that religious mindset. We're going to work on reversing the curse, I call it. Because it's a curse. Now, I hope you stick with me through these podcasts. I might have got a little sidetracked here. I'm not, I'm not a very good preacher. I'm really not. Because I try to get personal. I share my heart. And I believe a lot of people are going through this same struggle. But God is wanting to restore his real body of Christ. Not religion. Religion is dying. And it should. Because religion never saved anyone. The Holy Spirit is reaching out to people, wanting them to be healed. God, our Father, wants you to be restored as his child. Okay. There was a woman who had an issue of blood. She fought through the crowds to get Jesus to touch the hem of his garment. Now, something that's not really told very often was that she broke all kind of Jewish laws and tradition there because her issue of blood was menstruation. And a Jewish person wasn't even supposed to be around a woman when she was having that time of month, we'll say. I mean, got to be delicate here. But she had an ongoing menstrual problem. She was bleeding all the time. So she fought through the crowd. And if you read that story, you'll see that the crowd tried to keep her away. They tried to push her away. But she pushed through because she knew if she touched the healing hem of Jesus' garment, she would be healed. And she was. However, here's what I want to point out. Just like the prodigal son, she wasn't just saved or healed. What happened? Remember? She reached out. She touched the hem of Jesus' garment. She was made whole. But Remember, Jesus stopped and because he felt virtue had left him. And he looked and he said, who touched me? And the woman timidly admitted she had. And, he, and what did he say? Your faith has made you whole. And he called her my daughter. Remember this. So when people say, you, Jesus, say to you that Jesus never claimed to be God, then how did he call this lady daughter? Well, he wasn't old enough to have been her biological father. So, guess where I'm going with this? I think you can figure it out. Jesus called her daughter because he was her father, spiritually. He was God in the flesh. Okay. So, both of these examples. Not only was the prodigal son restored as a son... This poor woman who had gone against religion, against Jewish law, broken the law to get to Jesus, was not only forgiven, was not only healed, but she was restored as a daughter. Now, can you start to see the real father here? That's my point. My point is to show people the real father 
not the religious portrayal, but the real father. Hey, I've gone over time here like I've been known to do. I hope you're getting something from this, and we're going to stay with these podcasts. I'm going to go into the next one. It's still going to be about grace because grace is a big subject, and we're going to get into faith. But my point is, the mission here is to help us maintain our balance, and the reason is because the ground is going to be shaking. It's already beginning. You may not see it, but I'm in touch with people all over the world. I've got a big, I don't know what you call it, an outreach here. I wouldn't say that. I'm just, I guess, a gabby person, and I communicate a lot with, with a lot of people. There are things happening in other places that you just wouldn't believe, and they're beginning here. It's drifting toward us, and God wants his body, the body of Christ, to be re, uh, revitalized. We're going to have to be. It's not some little thing. You know, preachers are notorious, and some believers are notorious for talking about revival, and they think it's some little meeting that they decide. They set a date. They set a time. We're going to have a revival at this date and this time. And what they really mean is they're going to get together and they're going to jump and shout and they're going to have music and they're going to feel good. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not revival. If it was revival, then they wouldn't have planned it. Revival comes from God. God revives. And it does not start with an ad in the newspaper it does not start with some announcement on the radio. It comes from the inside. Here's what I want you to know. Religion always works from the outside. It tells you what you have to do, what you have to change. But God, Father God, through his grace, through his mercy, through his unconditional love, always works from the inside. The changes take place because he's made those changes. Religion will tell us what we have to do. God will show us what he will do. It's not up to us. It's time to embrace the real Father God. I hope you enjoyed this little time together. I'm going to try to get back with you as soon as I can. I pray for this because God has a mission here and I feel so... Um, inept. I feel so inadequate. And there's times I just try to stop because I feel like I can't do this. I don't have what it takes. But then God shows me exactly what he showed the Apostle Paul. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. It's not my job. It's his job. If he can speak through this old man, he spoke through a, a jackass to re rebuke a rebellious prophet. So guess what? I can take the jackass's place here, I guess. A little crude, maybe, but that's the way it is. Okay, pray for me. Pray for this little situation going on here, because this is the last day's church. There are some terrible things that we are going to see coming forth. I just know this. Okay. Well, God bless you all. This is the Truth Ranger Richard signing off once again. I hope I haven't bored you too much. Recommend it to your friends if you believe they are part of the Last Days Church. If not, they won't stick around. If you listen to these podcasts, you're part of the Last Days Church because you couldn't handle it. 
If you weren't called here, you wouldn't still be here. All right. <laughs> well, God bless. Appreciate your prayers. This is the Truth Ranger Richard out of here one more time until the next exciting episode. God bless. Truth Radio at Mail.com. Truth Radio at Mail.com.